Hi, I'm Gerds Hundle, acclaimed health journalist, turned motivational speaker and transformational coach. This show is for anyone who wants to lead a happier, healthier and inspired life. Create more self-love, inject more joy and abundance into their daily life. Join me for inspiring interviews and spiritual topics so you can become a soul warrior. Hello and welcome to another show of the Get Inspired with Gertz podcast. I'm your host and today I have a special guest with me who is guiding people towards inner peace and personal development. David G is an internationally recognised stress management expert, meditation teacher and author who has helped thousands of people around the world to perform at higher levels and make better decisions and experience abundance. He's a presenter on Hay House Radio and his teachings on stress release and mindfulness are now practised in many of the top Fortune 500 companies and he understands what it takes to heal from within. David, it's an absolute pleasure having you on my show and thank you for joining us. It's an honour to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Bless you, David. I really love the work that you're doing and I'd love for the listeners to know, what was your life like before you became a meditation teacher and a stress management expert? Uh, well, it was, uh, it was actually pretty stressful. Um, <laughs> I, I had started meditating uh, when I was in college. It was an experimental Asian studies uh, class. There were 12 of us in the class. We sat in a circle on the floor and uh, our Zen master stood in the corner uh, watching us. We were instructed to raise our hand when we had a thought pop into our head and in his hand he carried an 18-inch bamboo stick known as a keisaku Uh, and so when we raised our hand because we had a thought he would come over and thwack us on the back. So I only lasted in that school of meditation uh, a couple of weeks. Wow. Uh, I found myself lying to my Zen master that I wasn't having thoughts. And I think when you're, when you're lying to your Zen master, it's time to move on. And so uh, <laughs> over the years, I explored all these other different types of meditation techniques. I explored mantra and mindfulness and tantra and candle gazing and even uh, chocolate and champagne meditations. Uh, all sorts of different types of things and I slowly got more involved in the corporate world and I became a bond trader and um, I started doing that for a while and then I got more deeply into that uh, and became a mergers and acquisitions advisor and then suddenly at a certain point I realized that I had traded in my morning meditation routine for an early morning train ride to the World Trade Center, and I traded in my evening meditation routine for a double scotch, and like that, uh, my meditation was gone, and so was balance gone in my life. And um, in the wake of 9-11, I was walking in uh, Lower Manhattan, actually in an area of Lower Manhattan known as Soho, I was walking past a row of cardboard boxes that people were living in. And uh, as I walked past this particular box, a hand reached out and grabbed my pant leg. And this face peered up at me and said, what's going to be on your tombstone? And that's a fairly reflective question. Um, You know, considering I was wondering, you know, what am I going to do with my life anyway? I'm not really feeling fulfilled. Uh, I'm working just to make money. I don't have any purpose 
involved in that process. I have some deep, deep sadness uh, from the events of 9-11. And, uh, you know, a whole bunch of things swirled through me. And um, I went home that night, and I uh, shared this with my wife. And she said, oh, you should uh, you should just, like, quit your job. You should go to this, uh, this retreat that Deepak Chopra is having in Oxford, England. And I had never heard of Deepak Chopra before. Mm. And uh, so I'm very obedient. I quit my job. I headed off to Oxford. And because it was right after 9-11, instead of there being a thousand people at this week-long meditation retreat, there were only a handful of us. And that was truly an amazing aspect because um, I really got some good quality time uh, with Deepak over, uh, over the course of these days. And I really... A, a, a real appreciation for, for Oxford. You know, we spent all those days in those old Harry Potter-like buildings <laughs> um, with the sliver windows and, um, you know, those giant lawnmowers, you know, mowing tens of thousands of acres of, of, of lawn. And um, that was really my first deep introduction into meditating for one, two, three, four, five, six hours a day. And uh, it was the middle of the summer, um, you know, I guess the, the end of the summer. And... Uh, it was still pretty warm uh, in those buildings. I remember at one point I got up to close uh, one of the windows, even though it was like 90 degrees inside uh, the building. And uh, Deepak said, where are you going? I said, I'm, I'm going to close the window. I, we, we can hear the mowers, and they're encroaching on my meditation. And he said, oh, don't worry about that. There's no difference between those mowers and me whispering in your ear or a baby crying. These are all just sounds or thoughts, so just, just come back. To your mantra and uh so over the days my heart got lighter my meditation practice uh, grew a little bit and at the end of that experience deepak uh, advised me to go to uh india i was still searching for purpose and for meaning so i headed off to india uh, in search of the guru i did sort of like my eat pray love little adventure <laughs> without the eating and the love just just a lot of prayer looking looking for answers and uh, after about six months, cruising high and low, talking to, you know, roadside rishis and bathing in holy pools and praying every morning and meditating and practicing yoga, it all came to me while I was lying in a hammock in a cashew forest in southern India, in Kerala. I was reading the Bhagavad Gita, chapter 2, verse 48, and the line is, uh, Yogasta Kuru Karmani, which means establish yourself in the present moment and then perform action. And that was like my big aha moment. So I raced back home to New York and started meditating every single day. And I realized, you know, just establish yourself in the present moment and then perform action. And a friend of mine said, you know, you should, you should learn to teach meditation. You do it all day long. <laughs> I'm from New York. I don't really care about anyone else's meditation. You know, New Yorkers are self-absorbed. And he said, well, if you really want to learn something, learn to teach it. So why don't you go reconnect with, um, with Deepak Chopra? So I went out to visit Deepak Chopra in California, and um, mm -hmm. we hit it off. It was a love connection, and I never left. I became his chief operating officer of his center uh, in time. Uh, I was studying every single day and uh, really learning with all these masters on a constant basis, and I got the, the gift to, um, to teach every single day. And so then I became the lead educator, uh, and then I became the dean of Chopra Center University. And uh, that was just like those 10 years were so powerful, so amazing, 
so, um, you know, so deep that um, at a certain point I said, you know what, now I want to travel the world and share these teachings with uh, everyone else uh, throughout the world. So uh, that was it. I started doing a, uh, a Hay House radio show. Louise Hay invited me to, uh, to do a radio show on Hay House Radio, and uh, then she invited me to write um, a book uh, that Hay House published, and um, I just began my journey traveling the world, uh, teaching meditation and sharing meditation, and now I've shared, I don't know, with hundreds of thousands of people. I've recorded you know, almost a thousand guided meditations. Uh, I've written a couple of books. Um, I've worked with the Dutch Special Forces, with the, uh, the military, with law enforcement, taught in the corporate world. And uh, so here I am now, back teaching again in the corporate world. Uh, <laughs> I know there's so much stress. And, uh, you know, I work with high-pressured individuals. I work with people who are experiencing a lot of stress. Um, and that's actually why I wrote, um, you know, one of my books, uh, Destressifying, uh, to help people really, you know, connect to that. And, uh, you know, Secrets of Meditation, which is, is being released um, on March 7th, which is really more of a spiritual journey when we're suddenly realizing that there's so much more to life than what we thought there was. And so that's pretty much brings us to today. Wow. What an amazing journey. And it's just so powerful to hear that you just was like, right, I'm done now with my old life. I'm ready to move on. Not really sure where you're heading. And you just trusted the process. Yeah, well, you know, I think at heart, you know, we're all a little bit of a control freak. Um, there's, you know, we crave certainty. We crave control. And, um, you know, I know that we can really control our outlook, but we can't control the outcome. And that's really where meditation comes in as a powerful tool to help us really get grounded in our outlook and start trusting in the universe and trusting in our brilliance and stepping into our best version, making that commitment to step into our best version. Don't dim our light and own our impact. I can relate with a lot of things that you're saying because um, I actually used to be in the journalism world and for a short period of time I worked in um, the corporate world as well and it took me to collapse on the floor three times and to have a cancer scare to realise I need to leave. <laughs> but like you said, I was trying to control my life so I was just like, this is the way I want to go and I wasn't allowing anything else but it took for those moments for me to realise that I needed to shift. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that uh, that's actually helpful to, to, to hit bottom <laughs> and, to, and to suddenly, you know, pain is a powerful motivator. Um, but I think that, you know, people can, can also get that aha moment when they realize, you know what, my relationship that I have, my core relationship with myself, uh, my belief in, in what I believe I can do, uh, my relationships with all the people I live with or work with, they can be much better. You know, I, I can be happier. I don't have to keep pointing fingers at all the things that make me unhappy outside of me. I can actually go deeper inside and connect to that magnificent stillness and silence. And it comes back to that, to that line, uh, chapter 2, verse 48 in the, in the ancient Indian text, the Bhagavad Gita, Yogasta Kuru Karmani. You know, yoga sta means just establish yourself in the presence. Establish yourself in the present moment. Get still. And then perform action. 
And a lot of times we're reactive where we say to someone, you make me so angry. And, <laughs> you know, the reality is no one can make us do anything. We get to control our response and our reaction to the world around us. And meditation can really help you with that gift. Meditation can give you the confidence, the courage, the stillness, the patience, you know, these powerful virtues. Uh, meditation can help cultivate them so you can live your life with greater grace and greater ease. Wow, that's so beautiful. Thank you for that. My dear, so you're now obviously a meditation teacher and a stress management expert. So how are you helping people to stay calm and relaxed? What is it that you kind of share with them? Yeah, well, I think it has to, you know, it ha we have to get to a space where we're just willing to try it. That's really the key. Um, we can try it right now. There's a beautiful technique that I've shared with hundreds of thousands of people around the world. I've shared it with Marines who are not necessarily into some woo-woo spiritual uh, life. Uh, I've shared it with a lot of people, very serious people in the corporate world who are just looking to have an edge. Uh, I've shared it with high-performance athletes, um, you know, triathletes and, and people who are just trying to raise their game to a higher level. And so we can do it right now. Um, and this technique will teach you the power of meditation as it also um, really connects you to the present moment. So it works like this. Um, why don't we um, just to think about something that's been bothering us a little bit this week. Maybe it's a conversation that we had. Maybe a person said they were going to do something and they didn't. Maybe uh, something was supposed to unfold, but it didn't. So, you know, just some type of irritation. You can get pretty clear on that. And as you feel that crystallize in your mind's eye, close your eyes and through your nose, take a long, slow, deep breath in and watch that breath as it moves down into your belly. And when it gets there, hold it and watch it and witness it. And then release that breath and watch it move up your chest, out your throat, out of your nostrils. And then hold that breath out and just continue to observe it and watch it and witness it as it dissipates into the ether. Breathe normally and open your eyes. And that was only 16 seconds. And in those 16 seconds, if you were playing along, uh, you were not in the past, you were not in the future. In fact, in those 16 seconds, you were most likely not thinking about that irritation or that person uh, that had been bothering you. Because science has now confirmed that it's impossible to be fully present, and that's what we were while we were watching our breath, uh, and think about the past or the future. We can only be in one place at one time. And so, you know, when I teach that to someone in the corporate world who doesn't take a break at all, they never <laughs> breathe, you know, none of them breathe as much as we should, but they never take any break, they suddenly realize, oh, just in 16 seconds, I can stop the flow of hormones that are making me stressed out and I can be fully present. And so that's an easy starting point for everybody. <laughs> I love that. Um, like, so when you've worked with certain people and they've never done meditation before, how do they react after you've just done that with them? Well, I like to be, I branded that as uh, 16 seconds. That's what I call it. <laughs> and, you know, uh, even the busiest person on the planet no matter who they are. Richard Branson meditates, you know, uh, Oprah Winfrey meditates, you know, some of these most really connected people who um, are very, very, very busy. They find comfort and clarity 
in the stillness and silence. So I tell people, that was just 16 seconds. If you do it four times, it's a minute. If you do it 20 times, it's five minutes. And we can all benefit from this concept of the pattern interrupt. Science is now proving that um, if we introduce these interruptions in our default activity mechanisms, that when we come back, um, we are clear. Uh, we know what it's like. If you're sitting in the movie theater and you're you're watching um, a movie and suddenly you're like, oh, who's that actress? Oh, 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 what's her name? Oh, oh, it's eluding me. Oh, I think she played Elizabeth. Oh, oh, and then someone says, hey, you want some popcorn? And you go over to get some popcorn and suddenly you look back at the screen and you go, oh, Kate Blanchett, of course. And so we, by breaking away when we come back, we come back clearer. By breaking away, by introducing any type of interruption, you know, we know what it's like if we're having an intense moment with a colleague or with a family member, and if we just, you know, take a breather, take a walk, go to the loo, you know, pick your pick your item to break the moment. When we come back, there's new energy that comes back with us, and that gives us the strength, the courage. Um, it creates a, a another flow of energy where there can be new possibilities and where there can be a new conversation where we're not stuck. Um, that's why there's recess. That's why there's a break in the action. That's why, um, you know, we, we have built into our day, you know, it's so funny, you know, built into our work day, there's supposed to be all these breaks that, uh, that flow through to give us a few moments to recharge. But most of us, we wake up, we burn through the day, <laughs> we get home and we pass out. That's it. <laughs> Would you say that a lot of people who are working in their, you know, the corporate world, whatever job that they're doing, that they're picking up other people's energy, and so when they do get home, they're feeling drained because of that, because they've not take, like you said, taken time out to realize that they just need to be calming themselves. Yes, yes, you know, we are massive energy absorbers, and yet we don't have to be. We have this untapped energy pool resting inside of us. So that's why I say that meditation is not taking a time out. Meditation is a time in. You know, we go in and that's where we can recharge. And, you know, I, I know there's been so much excitement, you know, you know, through through England regarding Brexit and we've had our own little <laughs> excitement here in the United States, you know, around our most recent election as well. And, you know, if we allow ourselves to get swept up by every single thing outside of us, then we don't have our own lives. You know, when we find ourselves pointing at something and blaming or yelling or being mean-spirited, imagine if we just took that moment to go inside and connect to our heart or connect to our ownness, just to connect to our own calm and ask ourselves, here I am in this sacred, precious, present moment. What am I going to do with it? Not pointing at someone else, blaming them for ruining my life or changing things. Um, and it's easier to point outside. You know, it's easier to feel wronged. Um, but we can always write that um, by going deep, by going deep inside. Because inside of us, if we can just quiet the fluctuations of our mind, and we do this effortlessly, um, just like we did it with 16 seconds. I didn't say to you, um, now stop thinking about that irritation. I just said, close your eyes and watch your breath. <laughs> so we didn't have to do anything to connect to that space of stillness and silence. And if we can do that on a consistent basis, we suddenly realize that happiness is an inside job. And we can um, 
not take on the burden of absorbing everyone else's energy, we can, uh, you know, sort of like, uh, you know, like a bullfighter, you know, moves to the side and says, okay, and the bull moves past. We can allow that stuff to move past us. Tai Chi is the same way. You allow the energy to move past you uh, rather than absorbing the hit um, and taking it on. And so, you know, we take on everyone's emotions, we take on everyone's issues, we take on everyone's problems, we take on that mob mentality when people are outraged. We're like, I'm outraged too, let's all be outraged together. <laughs> uh, but, but the solution to our pain and the solution to our outrage and our disappointment and our sadness and our frustration, the solution is that seed of stillness and clarity that comes from within. Because then we can move into the moment with a deeper understanding. We can move in with, with greater compassion. Um, and when someone says you know, something or to us or, or challenges our ego or perhaps says something that disappoints us or hurts us, we don't have to take it you know, so mm -hmm. seriously. The, uh, the, great, uh, the great author, Don Miguel Ruiz, he's the author of The Four Agreements, uh, one of those agreements is don't take anything personally. And the reasoning behind that is because, you know, you're in your dream and I'm in my dream. Everyone's in their own dream. So when someone says something to you that hurts your feelings, the reality is, oh, um, they're in their dream. Their dream has nothing to do with my dream. And if someone says something really mean-spirited at you um, or demeaning to you, imagine how their self-worth is so low that they find the need to push you down even lower than that. So in those moments, rather than striking back or, or barking back, <laughs> we have some compassion and say, oh, you must be in a lot of pain to be so mean to me. Let me give you a hug. It's amazing, as you were saying that, it took me back to a time when um, I used to work in a pharmacy, um, David, and... I was really young, I was about 17 years old, and I remember always coming back home really tired and drained, and I didn't understand why. And I hadn't realised that because it was everybody who was coming to the pharmacy was obviously ha had a cough or a cold, or they were looking for some sort of medication, that I ended up picking up that energy, and I didn't realise how I needed to release it. So what happened for those few years was that I kind of almost burden those energies in myself, which ended up me causing me having to having anemia or feeling fatigued for several years. And it's so true what you said that with meditation, what I found over the years is that when I meditated, I wouldn't react to anything and I would I would be clear and I'd be happy and it didn't matter what whoever's energy it was, it didn't affect me anymore because meditation kept me calm throughout the day. We know that feeling. We know when we're when we're feeling really full we are, we have, we're not venting, we're not pointing fingers, we're not blaming, we're, you know, we're feeling great. We just want to, like, shout it from the rooftops. <laughs> um, and, you know, so we know what that's like. We've all been there before. We just have to remind ourselves when we find ourselves in some of those lower moments that, wait, wait, this doesn't have to be me. Uh, I know that when I'm full and when my heart is full and when I'm feeling really good and connected to the universe and to, to life in general, when I realize that the universe is in me, that I am not a speck in the universe, that's when everything shifts. Absolutely. Can you tell us about your new book, um, The Secrets of Meditation? 
Yeah, well, I found, you know, I've explored so many different techniques and I've explored so many different, uh, so it's so interesting, uh, you know, I've explored so many different schools and philosophies over the years, hundreds of them, uh, and I've practiced many of them, sometimes for, for a few weeks and sometimes for a few years. And I found that, you know, each school of meditation has its, has its own rules or its own dogma. And I wanted to share a book that, um, that explored them all so that people could make their own choice. Because I, I believe that if everyone could find the technique that, that really resonates with them, um, they would, everyone would meditate. But I bump into more people who are crisis meditators, and they don't really meditate. They only <laughs> meditate when there's a crisis, um, and they have a lot of crises uh, because of that. So I wanted to really put a book out there that explored every single different type of meditation that I thought people could take advantage of, um, whether that's um, whether that's uh, mindful eating, whether that's aromatherapy meditation whether that's chocolate tasting or, or, or receiving a massage uh, or using a mantra or doing mindfulness and following your breath. And I don't have an agenda. I don't really care about which school someone adapts um, uh, to. I, I think it's, um, you know, we all get to choose. I just want people to connect to meditation in whatever the way is that makes them feel really comfortable. And so that's really why I put that out. It's got the, you know, the five myths of meditation. Um, I've got rituals and practices that people can do to, to start their practice in the morning by asking sacred questions and using affirmations uh, to keep them engaged and, and being their best version. Um, there's a whole bunch of very, very ancient techniques and modern psychological practices to suddenly switch us, you know, like stress busters, to suddenly mm. turn us from uh, being like, oh, poor me, to <laughs> power. And so uh, that's right. I wanted to put it out there without an agenda because every time I got involved in any school of meditation, after a while, they started bogging me down with all the rules. Mm. Um, uh, I find that, that the rules have kept more people from meditating than have kept people in meditating. So, um, you know, the book is called Secrets of Meditation, but it might as well be called, you know, the, the Rule Breaker's Bible to Meditation. <laughs> uh, so, you know, choose your... Uh, you know, and I talk about, you know, how to ritualize it and how to connect to it. Um, and for me, that was a very, very powerful um, uh, and, and a filled journey just to write that book. I love the bit where you said about that it's about breaking the rules, because I found that when I first started meditating, funny enough, I've been doing it since I was a kid because my background is um, I'm Sikh. And when I was growing up, I didn't really understand what was going on. I'd go to the temple and just sit there. But I was meditating without realising. And I went through a journey where I'd, I just, like yourself, kind of went in the corporate world and kind of I went a bit downhill. And when I got it back into meditation, I found that when I did go to a few classes, like you said, there were there was rules. And I was just like, I want to do meditation the way it feels right for me. So I just started meditating at home. I had no idea and I was trying lots of different techniques and I found that finding my own technique and incorporating different things from different people actually made me want to do it more. It just took me on a different journey and I've, I, there's a lot of people that I know who are trying to meditate and they've gone to events and they felt amazing for three days and then they'll go find somebody. But then, like you said, it's the rules. That's what stops people. <laughs> Yeah, and I think if we remind ourselves, oh no, this is my practice. 
you know, just because, you know, and, and that's why, you know, I have this uh, Masters of Wisdom and Meditation teacher training because I want people to take a thread from each of the philosophies and weave their own practice out of that. You know, if we can, if we can just select the stuff that works for us, uh, then our practices, whatever they are, you know, even our workouts, you know, if you suddenly went to a, a strength training coach and he said, okay, um, now lift that barbell a hundred times and you'd say but that doesn't feel good or feel right can i work myself up and he said no the rule is you must do it a hundred times um you'd say forget it i'm not going to do this um and you know so many schools of meditation that i've been to they say okay now that you've learned to meditate do that every day for 30 minutes in the morning 30 minutes in the afternoon and good luck see ya and you know the first day you miss it you're like ah i'm such a loser and <laughs> And that's why I encourage people to not, you know, not beat themselves up. It's so common to, to fall off the meditation wagon. We just have to be gentle with ourselves, you know, and mm -hmm. incrementally. Uh, when I teach people to meditate, I actually start them with 16 seconds. And then yeah. I say, no, do that just once a day. 16 seconds, once a day. Yeah. Do that for a week. And next week, we'll add a minute to it. <laughs> so next week, they do a minute and 16 seconds for seven straight days. Wow. And then that's pretty easy. And then I say, then let's add another minute. And so the suddenly the third week and the fourth week and the fifth week, and suddenly after like 10 weeks, it's like in, in like two months, they have a 10-minute lockdown practice that feels so comfortable and so good to them. And it wasn't painful. And they did it their way. And they enjoyed it. And so, you know, ultimately I encourage people, you know, to build a practice where you're meditating for 25 minutes in the morning, 25 minutes in the afternoon. But we have to work up to it. And we have to be patient with ourselves and we have to really be gentle with the practice and let's break some rules. Meditation should be fun. You know, it's so interesting on Facebook, every once in a while I'll, I'll put a post up and I'll say, make meditation fun again. And there'll be <laughs> someone who like, who comments. Meditation's not supposed to be fun. It's very serious. And I'm like, who, want, who wants to do that? It's a chore at that point. And I don't want to, you know, instruct people on doing a chore. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think we can, uh, we can find so many different ways to meditate and so many different ways to connect uh, to our inner self that uh, we shouldn't torture ourselves over, over anybody's rules. I love that. And where can my listeners find the book? Uh, well, you can find the book um, anywhere that books are sold. Uh, you can find it on uh, davidg.com, D-A-V-I-D-J-I.com. Uh, you can find it on Amazon. You can find it on um, iTunes, uh, I think in digital format. There's even an audio book that I recorded um, as well. So there are a lot of different ways for people to access. Actually, the, the audio book was great. For me, because I, you know, edited the book and written the book and edited the book and written the book and, <laughs> and rewritten the book and edited the book. Um, but to sit down and read it, um, you know, I, I would have loved, you know, Ben Kingsley, Sir Ben Kingsley, or Jeremy Irons, of course, to be reading my book. Um, but uh, <laughs> to read my book out loud um, really just engaged it so deeply inside of me, and I had so much fun uh, doing that. You know, telling telling my story and really teaching these teachings. Um, but you can do it anywhere, anywhere where books are sold. I think there's even a site, audible.com, you can even get it. Um, so uh, any place you can get a book, you can get Secrets of Meditation. Perfect. Um, we are coming towards the end of the show. It's gone so quick. <laughs> um, my last quest two questions are, what are you most grateful for at this moment? 
You know, that's so, that's so great. Uh, every morning I wake up and I do a gratitude practice. Um, it's just the start of my day. Um, science is now proven. There's a great book uh, by uh, Michelle Gielan, who's a happiness teacher. It's called Broadcasting Happiness. And she did this amazing study that if the first images you look at when you wake up are violent or negative, at the end of the day, when someone says, so how was your day? No matter what's happened, you're 40% more likely to say that your day was bad. Wow. And if you see positive imagery, no matter what else happens in your day, you're 20% more likely to say, oh, I had a great day, no matter what else happened. So that's why, you know, I think it's important, you know, you can wake up and watch videos of puppies or cats. <laughs> you can, you know, watch, um, you know, uplifting uh, things. But I start my day uh, in stillness and silence by asking myself just two basic questions. I start with, what am I grateful for? And I just keep asking that question over and over and let answers flow. And after a couple of minutes, I ask, who am I grateful for? And I just keep asking that question and let answers flow. And then I do some other heart-opening practices, and then I go into meditation. Um, but, you know, right now, uh, I'm so grateful that, uh, you yeah, know, I was just in the island of Hawaii teaching at a, teaching at a festival, and there were just, there were 3,000 people that I'd never met before. It's not really my venue, and I've never been there before, uh, the Wanderlust Festival. And um, I just came back yesterday, and I'm still basking in that glow of, of such deep gratitude that people who didn't even know who I was, um, by the hundreds, were willing to show up for all of my classes and all of my sessions and all of my meditations. And so um, that made me feel really... Uh, really excited, and um, so I'm. I'm really grateful uh, that uh, people trusted in their hearts, and that they trusted um, in the universe to connect to this body of knowledge and to embrace it, uh, which is timeless. I didn't invent it. I'm just a, a courier of it. Uh, but uh, uh, sometimes in a humorous way, sometimes in a in a storytelling way, and always in a practical application. So I'm really grateful that um, that those you know few thousand people really connected, um, and that I was able to be a, a conduit of love and a conduit of, of timeless wisdom to those people. Oh, I really love that. that that's so nice. <laughs> um, Madi, my last question is: um, What are your five top tips for someone who's new to meditation and they don't really know where to start? Oh, where would you start? Well, um, <clears throat> again. We have to remember that meditation is essentially uh, taking a pattern interrupt. So, um, connecting to the present moment. So, um, my first tip would be to practice 15 seconds, that technique that we just did. Um, you can do that while you're sitting in traffic. You can do that while you're waiting on a line. You can do it while you're sitting at a meeting. You can do that uh, while you're at the dinner table. You can do it you know, in any place. And it will get you out of your head and into your heart. And so that's probably tip number one. Um, tip number two would be, um, there's a great technique. Um, that, that I would suggest. It's also a, it's also a meditation technique. Don't do this while you're driving because you must close your eyes to do it. Um, <laughs> but if you slowly breathe in, um, we can do it right now. If you slowly breathe in and allow your inhale breath to flow into your exhale breath, 
and then allow that to flow into your inhale and just seamlessly allow the in and the out and the in and the out to flow into each other and do that silently. The only way you could truly do it silently without it making any noise in your nostrils is to do it so slow. And I call this quiet, continuous breathing. I love that. <laughs> and if we then close our eyes, tip number three, and now paint a ribbon of breath in the shape of an infinity sign laying on its side, watch that breath move through the infinity sign as you inhale and exhale and stay in that space. That's also a great technique to use if you can't fall asleep at night. Another uh, technique that I would uh, use is to definitely put on headphones and blast the clash full volume up and feel free to pick any of their amazing clash is my favorite group put on the clash and just bust it out. Um, typically, you know, I like, you know, putting blasting like police and thieves or something, um, you know, along those lines. Uh, but you can pick your tune on that but enjoy if you don't like the clash or if you never heard of the clash um, <laughs> come on get on with it uh, but uh you know pick your music and jump around dance you know songs are typically three to five minutes uh elvis costellos are like two minutes but if you are willing to just like plug in and just jump around that's a great pattern interrupt because it'll you know totally raise your heartbeat uh pull you out of whatever you were doing shift your energy ideally you know really uplift you um you know, even Adele, you know, crank, crank Adele, you know, I don't know, I don't know if people in England are sick of Adele, but I'm just, I'm so in love with Adele, I can't stand it, um, and she's one of those one-named people, you know, I'm David G, she's Adele, so I love one-named people, um, but anyway, uh, you just blast that music, and after five minutes, just sit back down and re-engage, you know, that's tip number, number four, and tip number five is to ask yourself this question, you know, what would my best version do right now? What would the best version of me do? My best version never has to be right. My best best version uh, never needs to teach a lesson. My best version never feels less than. My best version always leads with love, is compassionate, soars in every moment, is brilliant, has spontaneous right speech, spontaneous right thought, spontaneous right action. What would my best version do right now? And just listen to the answer and step into your power. Wow. I love those five top tips. Thank you for sharing those. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> and where can my listeners find you? Uh, well, you can follow me on Facebook. Uh, it's David G. Um, actually, I think I have like five different Facebook pages, but my, my <laughs> page is, is David G, one word. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at um, David G Meditation. You can visit me at davidg.com, and there are over 150 free guided meditations. Some are as, as short as five minutes, uh, many as long as um, a half hour. So depending on what you're trying to do, and they all have a different theme to them, uh, they all have a certain amount of stillness and a technique that I teach, whether it's following your breath or, or listening to music or, or um, repeating a mantra. And so 
you know, whatever, whatever makes you feel good in that moment. Uh, and you can sign up to join the David G. Sweet Spot community. Uh, it's free. And uh, every week I send you a meditation and a video and a lesson of timeless wisdom. And you can always unsubscribe, and I'll never share your data with anyone. And um, otherwise, I'll be uh, traveling around, and I'll be coming to uh, to London on April 1st and 2nd at the Toynbee Studio. And uh, I'm trying to uh, hook up with a venue uh, the Friday night before that, Ooh. which I think is uh, uh, March 31st. And um, so you can follow all of that. Um, I'll be with um, Yogsandar, uh, Julia Anastasiu. Uh, who's um, really an amazing um, British uh, yoga teacher, meditation teacher, teacher of Ayurveda. She and I traveled around India uh, this past summer together for uh, for about 10 days. We took a group of 30, and that was an interesting <laughs> exercise for hurting cats. Um, we went to some of the most sacred and beautiful places together, and she's a dear friend of mine, and a, she's been a student of mine for many, many years, and she's a brilliant teacher. Amazing. Well, thank you for sharing your story and just reminding us why it's so it's so powerful to just take your power and be mindful and be present. Yeah. Um, in the beautiful, um, in the, Lao Tzu had a beautiful quote. Do you have the patience to wait until your mud settles and the water is clear? Can you remain unmoving until the right action arises by itself? And I think if we can just remind ourselves that, remind ourselves that we transform the world by transforming ourselves, then we can certainly walk through this sweet world with greater grace and greater ease. Thank you so much, David. Um, I look forward to having you on the show again. Just truly, you're amazing at what you do. And just thanks for sharing everything. <laughs> Thank you so much for inviting me on the show. You know, you have, you have such, you are, you are transforming the world because you've transformed yourself. And you continue to evolve every single day. So thank you for the gift that you share with all of your listeners. Oh, bless you. Thank you. What an amazing interview with David G. Guys, definitely do check out his website and check out when he's in the UK. Unfortunately, that's the end of the show. Don't forget you can find me on Twitter at IamGurds, that's I-A-M-G-U-R-D-S. You can find me on Facebook at Get Inspired with Gerds, where I bring you lots of inspirational, motivational quotes and tips about life. And also check out my book on Amazon, which is called Educo, E-D-U-C-O. Before I leave, I want to leave you with this quote. Where there is peace and meditation, there is neither anxiety nor doubt. Take care and I'll see you next week. Bye!